and welcome to Off the Record with Rachel and Josie. In this podcast, we highlight an album and its songs that you don't hear on the radio or any other grouping of songs. So many musicians put their heart and soul into their entire album, but the general public doesn't hear many of those songs. But these aren't just the songs that weren't released as singles. These are songs from musicals, the official scores to movies, truly any song that you have to search for to listen to. And this episode is one example of that. In this episode, we're going to be investigating some of the Disney songs that are sort of unappreciated. They're still from big movies, and they still have a good fan base of people who do know these songs, but they're songs that aren't considered the big song from each musical. Um, so our first one for this episode is He Lives in You from The Lion King 2. All right, so that was He Lives in You from the Disney movie The Lion King 2. Um, so this song is used as one of the introductory songs to the movie itself, and it's more reflecting on um, Mufasa's influence on Simba, even though Simba is now an adult lion and doing adult things in the world. <laughs> adult lion things. He's doing whatever adult lions do and dealing with his own child and a whole convoluted plot with Scar somehow having a kid. It's, it's a weird weird sequel movie but aren't all disney sequels yeah there are some of them are a little interesting some of them are except for frozen 2 we love frozen 2 frozen 2 was a good movie no um yeah i don't know i honestly genuinely don't know if i've ever seen this movie before yeah so it's like interesting to hear the it's a nice song like i like the like kind of like steel drummy Mm -hmm. sounds in the background like it's like really cool to like hear the influence yeah. In the song, it's really pretty. No, we sang this um, in choir in like middle school, um, and I really enjoyed it because part of it was due to the fact that in choir class, whenever we sang a song that was from a movie, we would at some point in the year watch the movie. Oh, fun! For funsies, which would take a good week of class where you just got to sit and watch a movie, which was always really nice. Um, and I don't know, I just. I think overall with this song, I just like the um, the repetition and just sort of the... Because it is like a relatively emotional song. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't... The, the music itself doesn't say that, but the lyrics are telling you that this is an emotional song. Especially like knowing the story of like The Lion King and The Lion King 2 and Simba trying to like be a good son even though his dad is dead. Dead. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, switching gears, we now go to a villain's song. So this is Mother Knows Best from Tangled. Enjoy. Okay, and that was Mother Knows Best from Tangled. And so, Josie, this was your choice yeah. of the song. What do you like most about it? I just think it's such a cool villain song because I feel like, um, gosh, what's her actual name? I don't even remember. Donna Murphy? No, I meant the, like, person. The, like, the mom entangled. I don't know if she has a name. I don't know. I think she's just mom. But, um, I feel like this is such an interesting villain song because she's made out to be, like, a good person, kind of. Or Rapunzel thinks she's a good person. And she's basically just gaslighting her into quarantining, ironically. Like, I don't know. I just think Tangled... I know it's not that underappreciated of a movie, but I feel like it deserves so much more hype than it gets. Like, the score is fantastic. The plotline is fantastic. 
Like, all of the characters, fan-freaking-tastic. Eugene Fitzherbert, love of my life. <laughs> like, I, at last I see the light, is just, like, probably, dare I say it, one of my favorite Disney songs ever. Oh, wow. Like, it's just so good. And the animation in the movie is incredible. Like, yeah. this was really, I think, one of the first, like, Disney 3D movies. Oh, it's Mother <laughs> Gothel, that's her name. Um, so, Tangled was, like, I believe one of the first, like, 3D New Age Disney movies, because then we get Frozen after that, and then Moana, and what's the other one I'm forgetting about? I feel like I'm forgetting Brave. one. Brave. Um, so I feel like it's just such a turning point. It's just such a wonderful, feel-good movie. It's just mm -hmm. so cute. I, I love it so much. <laughs> I also think the song sort of serves an additional purpose as being a bit more of, like, a foil to um, the When Will My Life Begin song with any of the things that Rapunzel herself is singing. So hers is a lot more peppy and, like, but also a lot more flowy. Like, mm -hmm. there's sustained notes, whereas, like, Mother Gothel is just, like, ba 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 It's much more staccato. Staccato is the word. Um, and well, so, it's not even, like, staccato. It's more marcato. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, Rachel's like, I know what that means. Yeah, but I think it's just really an interesting way of adding more to the story by influencing how mm -hmm. the villain is singing, what she's singing. And it's really also interesting because you've got this creepy character who is a villain in a different way than a lot of the other villains in Disney yeah. movies are. Like, she, like, obviously, we get introduced to her and she kidnaps Rapunzel. But she's not, like, the big bad in the sense of, like, mm -hmm. you get the big bads of, like, Ursula or... Like, Maleficent or um, the evil witch from Snow White. The evil queen. like Evil queen, sorry. Who, like, very outright are, like, seen as evil. Like, this one, there's extra clues mm -hmm. to tell you that they're evil, but there's nothing really outright stated. Yeah. Um, she's much more of a psychological villain. Yeah. Like, she just kind of manipulates Rapunzel. Because mm -hmm. she doesn't do anything harmful until the very end of the movie. Yeah. Um, when she gets desperate. Yeah, like, she and Hans both, I think, are the really fascinating villains mm -hmm. because they're villains that aren't seen as villains by your main character. Yeah. Um, At least until the end of their movies. Yeah, and so I think this song does a really good job of sort of giving listeners a view as to why exactly, um, like, this villain is able to do mm -hmm. so well. Yeah. It's also one of the, like, few villain songs that we get. Like, there are a fair amount of villain songs throughout the movies, but a lot of, like, the earlier movies as well don't have a lot of highlights for the their villains. Like, Cruella de Vil has the song that is sung about her, but she herself never sings. Yeah. Same with Maleficent. Um, I mean, we've got, like, Poor Unfortunate Souls with Ursula. Mm -hmm. Or Be Prepared with Scar. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting. It's such a good villain song, too. It is. And continuing in the trend of villain songs, we have the mob song um, from Beauty and the Beast. Okay, so that was the mob song from Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorite Disney movies growing up. Um, obviously, I didn't understand the whole Stockholm Syndrome thing by then. I was just like, oh, 
she lives in a castle and she's got a lot of books. How cool is that? <laughs> like, and the songs, the songs are just so nostalgic for me. Especially, like, the opening number is just so good. And, like, this song kind of, like, as Rachel was saying earlier, it's almost like a foil to that one because it's got so many of the same characters that are now going to turn on Belle, which I think is just makes it such an interesting song with, like, so many layers. Yeah. Yeah, I think another interesting thing, um, sort of going along with the overall theme of this show of the, like, more underappreciated songs, I think a lot of the songs that people don't know as much about from these Disney movies are the ones that are more plot-driven mm -hmm. rather than, like, you know, you have Let it, Let it Go, which is sort of plot-driven, but it's really just... And, and everybody in the world knows that song. It's really just, like, an Elsa powerhouse Adina Menzel song. Um, whereas, like, the mob song is really telling... It's a way of utilizing music to tell the rest of the story, similar to, like, how mm -hmm. most musicals themselves use their music, um, rather than... Uh, songs like Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, where it's not really telling a story. It's just another song. Um, it's a great song. It's, not, it's a great song, but it's another song that, like, Disney can use to market the movie, whereas, like, the mob song really isn't played all that often. No. Like, any, like, I've never heard it on any of, like, the Radio Disney. When you think of Beauty and the Beast, like, this is, for most people, the last song that they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. The one they might even forget about. Mm-hmm. Just because it's it's a lot more plot-driven, and I think it's an interesting song because it's really the only, like, negative song in mm -hmm. the whole musical, like... Yeah. Because even, like, Gaston, like, even as the villain of his, he's so positive about it, similar to Mother Gothel's song from Tangled, but it's a lot more of a positive, like... Look at me, like, I'm the best. He doesn't um, see himself as a bad guy. Right. Whereas, like, the mob song, they also don't see themselves as bad guys, but, like, this is very distinctly, like, they're gonna kill the beast. Like, there's there's a lot more negativity in this mm -hmm. song than you would be getting from other ones. It's very much... It does a very good job of illustrating mob mentality. That, too. Because Gaston suggests it, and then suddenly the whole town is like, Yeah! Seems appropriate. Yeah. It's such a good song, though. Mm -hmm. Like, musically, it's so interesting to listen to. Just, like, the way that all the different parts intertwine and the, like, background. I mean, it's, like, classic Disney orchestral kind of stuff. But it's just... It's a really good song. Yeah. I don't remember... I'm assuming it's in the musical version. I'd be really interested to see, like, how that's handled since they're supposed to, like, travel... Like, from the town to the castle. Like, to, how, to see how that would set up. Because obviously it's easy to do it with animation. Yeah. You know? But I would be interested to see how they stage that. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think it would be interesting, sort of, to showing the movement. Because this song is so much about going and doing something. Yeah. It's interesting seeing how stage um, performances handle that. Yeah. All right, and continuing on with our um, villain piece, um, we are doing Prince Ali, the reprise from Aladdin. It's a short one, so enjoy. So that was the Prince Ali reprise from Aladdin. It was a really interesting short song because it feels so much longer than just the one minute and eight seconds that it is. And I think it's another really interesting 
song that identifies, you know, a plot point that gets told through song. Because the overall point of the reprise is actually that Aladdin has now been revealed to have been lying. So um, in Aladdin the movie, he uses the wishes of the genie to be able to seem like this prince so that he can um, marry Jasmine, the princess of this movie. Um, but at this point, he's now being revealed to have been a liar. And I think it's a really interesting way to tell the plot. Yeah. I honestly completely forgot about this song. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen the animated Aladdin in a very long time. I watched the live action, and I don't think this is included in the live action I version. I think so. But this is such a cool villain song. Like, it's not a villain song, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... The original version isn't a villain song, I should say. Like, this version, obviously, is sung by Jafar, and he's obviously the villain of this movie. He's a butthead. <laughs> but, no, it's really interesting, because I genuinely forgot about this song, yeah. which is proof that it's underappreciated. No. And, and also, sort of continuing with our theme of juxtapositions and foils, like, it's interesting with what Josie just said, of the idea of, like, Prince Ali, this reprise, it's originally mm -hmm. being sung by, like, the genie and being like, look at this wonderful man, like, don't you love him? And now you've got the villain who's like, mm, I'm gonna... So. The villain being like, I'm going to cause problems. Here's the song. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so interesting, like, it's the same music, but just the ability to put it in a minor key. Mm-hmm. And it just changes the whole feel of the song. Yeah. Like, the original one is very, ma it's very much based in a major key. It's, like, super fun. And it's, like, bright and colorful in both versions of the movie. And then this is just, like, it's, like, the chords in the back are, like, very, uh, they're very interesting. They're not quite minor. Um, I've, <laughs> I've lost all my ear training skills that I acquired but it's not quite minor, but it's definitely, like, not major. <laughs> you know? It's, it's ominous. Yeah, it's very, like, ominous. So it's really interesting to just hear how just changing that can change the entire feel of the song. Mm-hmm. Music's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say it like that? I don't know. Who knows? Um, and then we're going to just continue on with our next song and appreciating these sort of unheard Disney songs, or less heard Disney songs. Um, and so this is from the movie The Princess and the Frog, and it is Dig a Little Deeper. All right, so that was Dig a Little Deeper from the movie The Princess and the Frog. And I just, I really like this song. I feel like this is really a song that represents the turning point in the movie, because it's mm -hmm. finally the point where Tiana has sort of come to terms with um, where she's going and her goals for the rest of the movie. Um, as she kisses a prince who's been turned into a frog. And in the traditional story, once you kiss a prince who is a frog, said prince becomes a prince again. Whereas in The Princess of the Frog, when she kisses the prince, she becomes a frog. And so she's going on this journey to sort of figure out how to go back to being a human because she wants to open up her restaurant. Um, and this is sort of the point in which she meets... Um, Mama Udi, who uh, is the lead singer of this song, um, who's telling her to like dig a little deeper to figure out who you are as a person, which I really enjoy. I just love this movie. I feel like Princess and the Frog is 
absolutely the most underappreciated princess movie. It really is. Like, it's so good. <laughs> like, just taking the tale and changing it like with the, like, classic Disney twist, if you will. Mm -hmm. And just, like, the songs are incredible. The animation is wonderful. Like, it's just so good. And, like, Dr. Facilier is, like, one of the coolest villains, I think, in Disney, like, in the Disney realm. Mm -hmm. And just, like, the way it honors New Orleans, and it's just so good. And Tiana is just such a good role model for young girls, yeah. I feel like. And I, I don't know, I personally think this movie is just so underappreciated. And it's sad. Right. Because this is the first mo Disney movie we get with a black princess. Right. So I think it's she's such an important role model for young girls, and especially young African-American girls. Yeah. Like... It's such an important role model, and, like, I feel like it's just so undervalued, and it just makes me sad, because yeah. it's so good. <laughs> yeah, no, th there's a lot to dig into in this movie in general. Um, it's going back with um, Josie's point on this being, like, the first um, black Disney princess, but there's also just a lot of um, controversy with that, in both on the sense of people wanting to be racist but also in the sense that <laughs> it is like the first black disney princess but she still has to deal with the troubles of racism yeah um rather than having like a black disney princess who has to deal with other problems in the world rather than racism yeah. um but i could definitely go into um time permitting but i think this is an issue that i don't want to go into without really truly fleshing it out but it is yeah. something that i highly recommend um listeners to sort of look into because there are um a lot of problems with having the only representation being representation of somebody being disenfranchised yeah. um regardless of the outcome of the movie and her no longer being disenfranchised because mm -hmm. then that sort of treats it as though um any of the racist um policies in play no longer really yeah. exist in this world since this is supposed to take place in like the 1920s mm -hmm. yeah and there is that whole aspect of it but i just think that the fact that it's there right it it, it shouldn't have to be the only one that like too. it's such a problem that it took them until what this movie came out in 2009 2009 oh my god it was it really 2009 i was, was gonna say 2014 no. I was like, ah, 2014, that sounds about right. No. But, like, this is, yeah, it was long overdue, first mm -hmm. of all. And, yeah, I just, it's so under, I feel like it's, I've said it a million times in this, like, five minutes, but, like, I feel like it's so underappreciated. The right. music is so good. It's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and then for another song that's so good that I think, <laughs> um especially on a vocal standpoint in this one, it's uh, Frozen Heart from uh, Frozen, the original. So enjoy. All right. So that was Frozen Heart from Frozen. I believe this is the first real song we hear in the movie. It's the first thing we really hear in the movie. Well, we the hear movie. the, the na-na-na-hey-na. Ah. That, that becomes important in the second movie. Right. But like this is the first real introduction we get, and it's... I don't know. It's a very interesting song to start the movie off with, I think. I don't know. I think it's also really interesting because it gives... 
it's it's sort of an ignored song because for the most mm-hmm. part, like when it's on screen, you're focused more on Kristoff and Sven, who you know are important because of how much they were pushed in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching them go around as they're cutting ice, but but the lyrics themselves really tell more of a story. Yeah. Um. So the lyrics have like, um, this icy fourth, this icy force, both foul and fair, has a frozen heart worth mining. Um, so cut through the heart, cold and clear, strike for love and strike for fear. Uh, see the beauty, sharp and sheer, split the ice apart and break the frozen heart. Which ends up being a bit of a... Uh, foreshadowing? Foreshadowing for the rest of the movie. Just mm-hmm. as the implications of like the frozen heart um, and how... Yeah. How like a frozen heart really doesn't exist with like the idea of love, either platonic or romantic. Though in this movie it's definitely pushed to be... Uh, platonic between the two sisters yeah but i think overall like this is just a really interesting song because also like you don't tend to hear a lot of men's choruses in Mm -hmm. disney movies like if you do hear a chorus it tends to be um like a full chorus rather outside of like mulan yeah because i mean aside from like leia salonga's voice like Mm -hmm. i'll make a man out of you is men yeah but then, like, this song. I don't know. I've never really listened to the lyrics of this song too much. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I know the lyrics, but I've never really thought about them that much. And, like, reading them, like, it's very much foreshadowing. Yeah. Like, obviously, at the end of the movie, Anna gets frozen temporarily. So, like, beware the frozen heart. Like, they spoiled the, they spoiled their own movie in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> Which, did. They really did. And I've never really thought about that before right now. But they really did spoil their own movie, which is very interesting. I think it's a lot of that also has to do, again, with the fact that people really aren't paying attention to that music. Mm-hmm. But also a lot of people, don't, because of the um, extra things happening on screen, you're not mm-hmm. focused as much on the words as you are of, like, the tune behind it. And so, like, I didn't really listen to this song, nor did I really care about this song until um, much later like, mm-hmm. at, way after Frozen itself came out, and even after, like, the Let It Go craze ended. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then for our last song of the episode, we're going to uh, take it back a few years and go to Hercules and the song One Last Hope, which is sung by the one and the only Danny DeVito. All right, and that was One Last Hope from the movie Hercules. And so, plot-wise, what's happening in this is uh, Danny DeVito's character is training Hercules um, to uh, really how to, you know, get strong and be able to (laughs) defend the world as it is. Big, strong man. (laughs) Yeah. I have always really... I love Hercules. I love most Disney movies. But Hercules is just... It holds a special place in my heart, and if they ruin it with this new live-action movie, I will cry, <laughs> might I say. And if Danny DeVito doesn't reprise his role as Phil, like, what's even the point? Honestly. Like, what is the point? Nobody can play it as well as Danny DeVito, our king. <laughs> like. I think it's also, on, on a basis of, like, the song itself, I think this is a really interesting one because... It's probably one of the lesser-known songs. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever really heard this outside of 
the movie itself. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, you have the other songs, like, Zero to Hero, The Gospel Truth, Go the Distance, um, Won't Say I'm in Love, um, all of the songs like that, you know, you really hear them, and they're not super plot-based, um, mm-hmm. except for, um, the gospel truth, just because that's yeah. the point of the, gospel the gospels. Um, but, like, this song isn't all that plot-based either, which is different from a lot of the other songs that we've had, mm-hmm. um, in this one, in this episode. It's more yeah. of a song that's being sung over a montage. I was gonna say, it's not that lyrically... That is sort of telling the plot. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's not lyrically plot-heavy, but, like, visually it is. Because mm-hmm. we see Hercules go from this skinny, really strong dude to this, like, bulky, bigger than a fridge strong dude. Like, yeah. So he, like, goes through so much physical, not quite so much emotional, because he doesn't really get his emotional development until he meets Meg, right. our queen. Um, I love Meg. Meg is a great character. <laughs> I won't dispute that. But... He doesn't really get his emotional development until then, which is a very interesting because it's so different from the actual Greek myth of Hercules. Yeah. I love this song. I love this whole movie. <laughs> Hercules is just, Hercules is one of those movies that I always go to for like the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Like I just I love watching this movie. <laughs> no, this movie is a really good one and I think that this song is a really underappreciated one that mm-hmm. no Danny DeVito what a man what a man right, well thank you so much for tuning into this episode of off the record with Rachel and Josie we hope that you enjoyed being able to listen to some of these underappreciated songs from Disney movies and maybe they've sparked you to think more about watching a Disney movie maybe during this fun fun quarantine that's happening fun fun all right well but thank you so much for listening to off the record 